There are 22 suicides a day by our military and veterans right now. So I do America's want strong all the viewers to understand that PTSD does not make veterans. Veterans. Yes, I know you personally do have PTSD. Veterans Man, fuck you. Like, I'm perfectly capable of living in a cardboard box. I hail from Freedom Hill on my feet. I stand in what used to be felines and Reeboks. Welcome to the EAS Show. Interviews, stories, and perspectives on war and life in and out of the military. Straight from the bastards crazy enough to do America's dirty work. I mean, what was it like for you, for you guys, when you were already back and a brand new platoon commander comes in? Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Like, we don't know at all how he is. We just know that he's right out of school and we're right out of Afghanistan and, um, you know, he's, he's a boot, you know, <laughs> and, uh, now he's in charge of us and we're supposed to, uh, you know, follow him and it seems like it should be the other way around. It was uncomfortable. I guess that's a good word for it. In 2011, Vinny Cataldo and the rest of Fox company returned home after an arduous seven months in Afghanistan. Of the many surprises life back in the States would have for them, a new second lieutenant was one of the first. New lieutenants. Everybody hates new lieutenants. In fact, Vinny and I got the idea for this very show in the midst of bitching about new lieutenants. Granted, our experiences are biased. We were both enlisted. But we wondered what life looked like from a young lieutenant's perspective. So we called up our old platoon commander, now retired Captain Nicholas Ingham. He was the man Vinny was speaking about. He was the boot LT. We asked Captain Ingham if he could sense the animosity, or maybe just the lack of trust, when he first showed up to the platoon. Uh, yeah, yeah, you definitely can, uh, unless you're unless you're completely oblivious to the situation. Um, and that's that's something that I anticipated, um, and not really in in any actions. It was just kind of like, okay, uh, you're the new guy, you're coming in, you're going to be in charge of dudes that walk the walk and talk the talk uh, and all you did was just played it uh, on the ranges of Quantico, Virginia so you gotta you gotta kind of temper your the way you say things what you say uh, and how you just hold yourself not every new lieutenant comes to his platoon with that wisdom in mind and for the most part enlisted folks will still salute them and give them the proper greeting of the day but that's really just avoiding an ass-chewing. It's garrison bullshit. It isn't real respect, and it sure as shit isn't trust. Yeah, I think there was a, there was kind of like a, a wait, like like it was kind of anticipated that somebody would just kind of like tell him to go fuck himself. Like he, he would he would kind of like pub his chest out and try and take command of something where he, you know, he just didn't know, you know, what he's talking about, and somebody would just kind of step on him a little bit, and then we'd see how that played out but it never really happened as just like a test right yeah well kind of like to put him in his place you know like like he was going to try and assert himself as the, as the biggest dick in the room and like somebody else was going to have to say like no you're not you know and, and then there was going to have to be a power power struggle between the people who had been in Afghanistan and him and you know that would have been you know whatever curious as to how it played out but and then it never actually happened because he kind of he kind of respected us I think enough to where nobody it never had to come to that <laughs> to be fair it has got to suck being a new lieutenant in charge of a platoon 
Being a private or PFC, the only thing expected of you is that you be a competent human being. But officers have a lot more riding on their shoulders. They're expected to be good leaders right out of the box. They're expected to have a good knowledge of doctrine, but also be flexible to new or different ways of operating. And physically, they're expected to be the best in the platoon, hands down. And beyond the higher expectations lieutenants are held to, they also have to get over the fact that all of their men will immediately assume that they are Captain Sobel, the asshole CO from the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. Name, Malarkey, Donald G. Malarkey, Malarkey slang for bullshit, isn't it? Yes, sir. Rust on the butt plate, hinge spring, private bullshit, revoked. Name. Please God, Joseph D. Shuck. Captain Sobel is a perfect example of what enlisted personnel fear the most. An officer who will torture them with the minute details of garrison life, only to get them killed in combat due to his own ineptitude. Vinny and I were intrigued by the different standards officers are held to, and really, to be honest, we didn't know much of anything about the life of a new officer. Captain Ingham graciously agreed to do an interview with us and help shed some light on this strange world by sharing his experiences. And, as an added treat, we also interviewed a group of active-duty Marines who just received a new generation of LTs to get their perspective. This is Episode 2, How to Be a New Lieutenant. Here's Captain Ingham. Uh, so, I, I came in the Marine Corps in 2009. I went to TVS in 2010 and got the, the people's choice of 0302 uh, infantry officer as my MOS. After I graduated from the man school, otherwise known as uh, Infantry Officers Course, or <laughs> Red House of Pain, which it was the Red House of Pain, um, I was assigned to Fox Company, 2nd Battalion, 9th Marine, at Camp Lejeune. Uh, I got there in 2011, beginning of 2011, right before a bunch of bloodthirsty God's gift to the Marine Corps infantry. Marines came back from a completely horrible deployment in Afghanistan. Um, and I was a platoon commander there for a couple years. Uh, and then I was an XO. And I volunteered, which never volunteered. And what did I do? I volunteered and ended up on an advisor team and spent uh, almost a year doing that. Got myself wounded pretty good. And then uh, ended up at Paris Island complete opposite spectrum of the officer ranks for me where people shave their heads nice and tight and wore their boot boxes real high and I retired from there. One of the major disconnects between new officers and enlisted is training. We are not all trained to the same standards. And every new enlisted guy has to prove himself to the platoon as well. But as we mentioned earlier, the expectations are much, much lower. It occurred to us that a lot of new officers might really believe in their heart of hearts that they actually know better. They were trained to believe that. It's ingrained in them, but it creates a lot of friction between the lieutenant and his men. Peter Lucier, RTB's editorial director, chimed in to get Ingham's thoughts on the training differences between officers and enlisted and what kind of problems that might breed. So one of the things I've heard a lot is that Boot camp is not, on the enlisted side, it's, it's not a vetting process. For enlisted, the vetting process happens at MEPS. So if you make it to boot camp, the Marine Corps has already decided to train you. So even though there's this full metal jacket mentality of, like, washing out non-hackers from an administrative point of view on the Marine Corps side, boot camp isn't meant to do that. 
but, but OCS and TBS and, and IOC even very much are. Like, those are still selection processes. OCS, OCS is our, is our boot camp minus the, the two weeks of grass week and rep range that you guys have. Uh, but like you said, it is, it is a vetting process. And the best way that I've heard it described is OCS is the interview before the job. <laughs> so all you're proving at OCS is that you have the raw potential to lead. Um, so uh, another thing, and it's, it's, it's very interesting that you're, you're interviewing me, is I have the perspective of not only the optic side, but uh, seeing recruits trained and whether all of you guys want to admit it or not, and I admit it myself, you are all that retard at boot camp. Every single one of you. <laughs> I was I was at OCS, too. It, it, it might not have been all the time, but one time, your drill instructors were like, I can't bitch. He's so fucking dumb. Uh, and it's, it's true. It, you, when, when you get into that when you get into that kind of environment, you kind of just, you, you lose what common sense you have, and you just become stupid. They gotta kind of train you to that level. Um, OCS, they they expect more of you. I mean, they they have to take into account that you're a college kid, and I will I would tell you from experience, there are people that I went to school with that will probably you know invent a way for us to run cars on water, but they had no common sense whatsoever. So. They had to take that into account at OCS as well. Um, but they do expect you to be able to do certain things, and they expect you to learn more rapidly. That's probably the biggest piece. Um, so, for instance, your, your first couple of days there after you do pickup, you're doing things by the numbers. Trousers on, trousers off, trousers on, trousers off. Hold them out in front of you. I'm holding them up over here, okay, you know, left sock, right sock, left sock, right sock. Yeah, you play all the same games and everything, but they just don't do it for it all. Um, and that's, that's built in uh, because OCS, OCS is not there to teach us just rote memorization and instant willing obedience to orders. OCS is there to put people into a high-pressure leadership environment and see if they can succeed at that. Uh, so probably by the end of the first week, the instructors are no longer uh, primarily in charge, so to speak, of the platoon. So you'll have a company staff that's all candidates. Uh, you'll have company commander, XO, first sergeant, company gunny, and then uh, that goes the whole way down into the platoon. Platoon commander, platoon sergeant, squad leaders, entire team leaders, uh, the whole nine yards. Um, and then we rotate those build in and out. So... Uh, all of that, all of those games kind of go away and it becomes more, uh, the instructors are pressuring the individuals that are, that are in the leadership billet. Um, officers are trained from the outset to lead rotating through all the positions and levels of a unit while in training is not something enlisted folks usually get to experience. And the traditional reasoning behind that is simple. Traditionally speaking, PFCs and Lance Corporals simply did not need to know. But the nature of conflict is changing, perhaps has changed, and more than ever, the lower ranks are taking on greater responsibility in theater. Returning to Captain Ingham, I asked him what struck him the most about the expectations on him when he arrived at the fleet. Um, well, I, I, the, the, the biggest part of, of that, especially... Uh, 
as a, I guess if you could say as a leader is, and it's probably the most prevalent thing is you got to have, you got to be able to do anything. And when I say that, I mean physically. Now, also when I say physically, most of that is mental. Um, and what I'm speaking of specifically is like confidence. Your boys expect you to be able to shoulder as much of a burden as them. And you should you should be able to, at the end of it, you're standing tall and you're not even breathing hard and you're like, okay, yeah, that, that wasn't anything. Uh, they, they expect you to not be more or less a, a pussy. Now, let's contrast that with, I guess, Cataldo or Lucier, like, on the enlisted side and training, at least from my perspective, I saw people fall out not as a matter of course, but it wasn't rare. I came in as part of the 202K push, which was like, we were right at the full, um, like, height of that. So, like, all of our boot camp companies were just packed and oversized and, like, not enough room, and guys were standing in the receiving barracks. And I say that because people fell out all the time because we were taking people that had no business being there. Because the 202k push to get up from 180, 185 to 202,000 involved. I had a lot of felony waivers in my <laughs> camp class, my class, like a lot of felony waivers. Um, I'll remember lots of people fell out of the SOI hikes. I remember one specific kid didn't complete a single one of the like required hikes, the 5, 10, 15, and 20. Um, and he passed and he went to, he went to security forces with me. Jesus. Uh, yeah, he should have. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, um, um, lots of people were, were falling out. And Cataldo, I mean, I'm assuming you saw the same thing at core school. <laughs> There's no PP at core school. <laughs> 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 That's perfect. That's... But a field, field med, uh, on the East Coast field med, on uh, Kim Johnson, I think it is, there's uh, there's chicks. So, like, it's, it's fully integrated, so we're going at the pace of the slowest people, which is always, you know, the fucking 15 chicks in the class. And so everything is, you know, every run is a walk or a circle. You know, I guess you <laughs> circle back put the chicks in the front again, and then, you know, they'll fucking flow through the ranks, and then up in the back, we'll circle back again to the run. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, of course I've seen nothing, but you know, tons of people falling out and it's like irrelevant. Like there's no, there's no penalty in the Navy. It's not like the Marine Corps. Cause like in field med, like most of the people who are, who are in field med are never going to be anywhere near, you know, any kind of, uh, combat unit, you know, they're all going to some hostel afterwards. So nobody cares. There's just an ex- expectation of like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who cares, you know, and for me, who was like, I want to go into infantry, that's, that's all I want, and that's why I'm here, I was like, this is, this is fucking ridiculous, but. Officers train harder for longer than enlisted folks do. There's no argument there. But that, of course, isn't the whole picture. Training and experience are two different beasts. We'll come back to Captain Ingham in a moment. Cataldo and I wanted to hear from some active duty Marines to see if things have changed. Three infantrymen stationed in Camp Lejeune agreed to do an interview with us. To keep them out of hot water, they'll remain anonymous. Oh, and quick spoiler alert, things have not changed. You, you guys just got new officers, right? Yeah. First thought from each of you when, when you heard you were getting some new lieutenants. 
Mine was, uh, we just got to break him in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know when, when I first hit the fleet, you know, my corporal and all my all my seniors, they they fucking, they start, you know, they start hitting you with knowledge right away. They start grilling you. They start testing you. They do little things to see, you know, if you're you're an idiot, if you if you can think on your feet. And so it's kind of like that, except it's on a grander scale because when you're a when you just hit the food as a boot, you're kind of just in charge of yourself, and you just try to make your team look good. But when you're a brand new lieutenant, you hit the you hit the fleet, and you're, you're in charge of an entire platoon full of guys. And if you fuck up and you do something stupid, it makes everyone look stupid. No matter you can have the best staff, best sergeants, best corporals, best lances that you can get two pumps each, and your lieutenant looks like uh, acts like a fucking idiot. Does something stupid, makes y'all do something stupid, and y'all you know, just it just fucks up the chemistry, fucks up the. Uh, just it's, you just gotta get them broken in with the guys, you know. Hey, this is how we do things. This is how some people are. Some people are assholes. Some people are, you know, nice. Some people are just laid back. Some people are really, you know, in your face. You know, you gotta get them used to the platoon as a whole and not just. My first thought would be change. A lot of officers come in here wanting to change so much stuff the way they did it maybe in the schoolhouse, but the way that the current unit currently has SOPs set up, we do things a certain way, and when officers try to come in and change something and make something new, then we sort of have to go back to what they want to learn, but we already know a better way to do it, but then that sort of comes into receptiveness. Some officers don't want to hear how their idea might be wrong, but our idea has been working for however long it's already been working. So that's sort of my opinion is receptiveness overall. So basically, yeah, I think that's a good point too. Um, you, you want officers that are open to the wealth of experience that the four-year corporal or the sergeant or even like the Lance Corporal squad leader with two pumps and an NJP, whatever his issues, he still has a fuck ton of experience, right? Yes, he does. And when officers don't take that experience and receive it well, then there becomes so much confusion when the officers try to change something. But the senior Marine, enlisted Marines, have so much experience. It just causes so much confusion and chaos and a lot of fear. Yeah. And that's like right now we're doing – it's like a dick measuring contest between the company now. So it's like we got all these new uh, butter bars. They're all probably graduated from the same class or whatever. You know, and now we're doing these thousand level tasks to to reteach to dudes that have already gotten these classes not six, seven months ago. And now we're going to do grunt stakes, pretty much round robins, dissing ass in 240s and 249s and, and, you know, the thousand level task things. If these things aren't already being done, like it doesn't need to be a grunt stakes. If these aren't even being done like throughout the platoon by like by itself, like it shouldn't have to come from the butter bars sitting here telling us like all right we need to do this it's like they i feel like the separation is they 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 try and strangle it too much they they want to get so hands-on that they can't micromanaging that's that's like one of the favorite buzzwords of of the lance corporal underground i think yes you know everyone loves to talk about uh how mu- how deep into everybody's asshole the platoon commander or the you know or the first sergeant is or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, do you guys that's do you guys have an inherent level of respect even for new lieutenants? No, I have zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think it's safe to say that new lieutenants are still a contentious issue in any platoon. The reasons, while they sound different, are more or less the same. A platoon of enlisted guys used to working with each other and their leadership will naturally resist the uncertainty that comes with new blood. Especially if that new blood is a boot-ass platoon commander. Um, I, I talked to Willis about you, about like how when you were coming in, like we were all kind of testing you. I don't know if you remember, but I had this kind of running game with you where we would be crossing like outside on a, on a, hall, on a fucking sidewalk or something, and I would always find some stupid excuse to not have to salute you. You, you remember that at all? Uh, I, I don't recall that, but that, that sounds like a good follow. <laughs> that sounds exactly <laughs> like, like him. I would always just drop something, so I'm leaning over to pick it up, and you know, or, or smoking, or whatever it is, and 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 we cross, and I wouldn't salute, and I always kind of waited for you to just chew me out about it, and you know, and we'd go from there, and, I, and I'd play it by ear, but but it never happened. You were always, I always got the feeling like I'm like assuming you're a smart enough guy that you knew what I was doing, and maybe you thought it was funny too, or at least not worse, chewing my ass for it, and uh, I don't know. Cataldo, myself, and the rest of 1st Platoon got lucky with Captain Ingham. He was one of the good ones. Definitely not a Sobel. Not only did he face all the normal pressures of new lieutenanthood, but he also had to convince a small fraternity of self-titled war whores that they could trust his leadership. Introducing himself to this group must have sucked. Here's how Captain Ingham recalls it. Uh, that was a scary thing. Up until I got shot at for the first time in combat, probably one of the scariest things I've done. Holy shit. Wow. Um, and, and the reason is, is you, you want to say enough to not sound stupid, but you don't want to say too much to sound like you're the yet, yet motivated retard lieutenant. Uh, it's, so I, my, my angle was, I'm going to go there, I'm going to introduce myself, and I'm not going to turn it into a patent speech about blood and gut. So I went up, I was like, hey, fellas, you know, I'm, I'm Lieutenant Ingham. I'm your new platoon commander. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I went to, you know, University of Pittsburgh, went on and on and on. So I've heard a lot about you from, from the guys that came to Adbon. Um, they've, they tell me that you guys are like meat eaters. I like that, and I look forward to, to working with you. Um, and then I cut it at that. That is a, yeah, I mean, I, I, what, what else are you going to say? We're, we're going to be the best, the best <laughs> platoon in the entire regiment. I mean, that's, that's some stupid ass shit right there because I, I wanted, I wanted my guys to be competent and do their job, but I didn't need accolades of, wow, you have the best platoon on and on and on. I wanted the most competent. So if that meant that I had guys that walked around with their hands in their pockets or that didn't get a haircut every two weeks, I was I was able to let that slide just a little bit. I didn't want to be that officer that was searching for salutes. They're, they're saluting me because of my rank. They're not saluting me because they respect me as a man. That has to be proven. And so that's why that's why I was never running around like, hey, bitch, you didn't salute me. But, it, okay, I mean, that's... Some guys that really gets under their skin and if a sergeant major or a first sergeant saw that, he's fine. Because he should. I mean, that's a first sergeant's job or a sergeant major's job. But to me, it, it, it didn't matter that much. Maybe, maybe that's why I 
We're not exactly sure what magic Captain Ingham possessed that made him such a solid new platoon commander. One thing we do know is that by trusting his squad leaders and team leaders, the guys with the most experience in the platoon, he initiated a dialogue between us and himself. He made the first effort. Not being an arrogant dick goes a long way too. And we're probably not breaking any new journalistic ground here, but one thing we did learn is that officers face an enormous amount of pressure, and the lowly echelons of the enlisted would do well to remember that. Before we let Captain Ningham off the hook, Cataldo had one last question for him. There's something I always wonder about everybody is, why the infantry? I, I wanted to do it because I thought it was the coolest shit ever, and I was right when I got to IOC. After, after I got over, like, uh, the whole, oh my god, why did I pick this MLS? This fucking sucks. After like the first couple days that we were at IOC, it was it was pretty much a haze fest, but uh, it was good. And, and by the time I got out of IOC, I actually expected it to be even more difficult than it was. How do you feel about that decision now? Uh, it's that's fucking decision I ever made. I love it. Uh, and and it, it's also. It's also a, a linchpin on my decision to get out of the Marine Corps. I probably could have stayed as as a uh, a permanent um, uh, what the hell are they called? Permanent light duty or permanent limited duty officer? More or less, what that is, you're a broke dick, but you're not so broke that you can't do things like go on to work at a training. Uh, and I had discussions with my dad about it, and he said, you know, why don't you why don't you just slat transfer into another MLS? And I'm like, Dad. When you have been literally the tip of the spear and you are the antithesis of the Marine Corps, you do not want to do anything else. That's like that's like saying, Oh, I was a Navy SEAL, well, why don't you go back to being a you know, like a fucking hole technician? Yeah, that's a great idea. You know? <laughs> I, I just I just don't want to do it. I, I've I've been there, done it, seen it, that sort of thing. And the only thing that is for me in the Marine Corps is the infantry. If I can't have the infantry, I don't want anything. I just want to be a civilian. Well, that settles that. (laughs) That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. I love that. I want to go (laughs) re-enlist. Maybe I should have been a recruiter. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I think we just made, like, your first recruiting pitch. <laughs> all, all three of you guys are going to go back to the recruiter's office and be like, hey, you guys have any tattoo waivers? <laughs> we did it. We produced and published episode two. And you made it to the end of the show. Shots all around. We would like to thank Captain Ingham for taking an hour and a half out of his day to be grilled by his former subordinates. Also, we'd like to give a special thank you to the anonymous Marines who agreed to be interviewed by us. You know who you are. And lastly, thanks to Peter Lucier for helping to produce this episode. You can subscribe to The EAS Show on iTunes by searching for RTB Media on the Apple Podcast app. Not an Apple user? You can also follow and listen to the show via SoundCloud and Stitcher. On behalf of myself... Vinny Cataldo, and the rest of us at rtbmag.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next show.